Dear Father, how grateful we are today for such love. It's almost more than our human minds can comprehend without being touched by your presence to help us to catch a little glimpse of it. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus, your mercy has reached to every one of us here today, and we are so thankful. We're praying, Lord, that as we've gathered here on this Sunday morning, that to honor the resurrection, that you would come and visit with us today, Jesus. If you're not welcome and if you don't come, there won't be much going on. I might say some nice words and even shed a few tears. But if you can come and if you will change lives, they will be changed for eternity. You're a healer, so we know you can come by this way and heal the sick and deliver those that are bound. We bring our needs, our petitions, our praise, our adoration, our love before you today. Help us as we endeavor to look into your word today, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. What a privilege to be a son or daughter of God, isn't it? Amen. To know the greatness of his love and what he's done for us. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1, if you would, today, verse 4. Also, I'm sure probably most of you know it, but <clears throat> Brother Maurice and Sister Mary Beth welcomed the little baby boy to the earth, and uh, he wanted me just to let you all know that. Also, our sister has tested positive for a, a strip, and uh, they wanted us to remember both her and the baby that, that the baby wouldn't, wouldn't catch that from her. So we desire that. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins and his own blood. Can't you say amen to that? Amen. And has made us kings and priests unto his God, unto God rather, and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Now, this is when the Lamb, of course, took the book and the seven seals were to be released. And the redeemed, as we looked at it Wednesday night, were standing there by representation. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation. Listen at verse 10. And hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, made us. We are made to be kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. 
and to the reading of the scripture, the children of God said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Certainly welcome you today in the presence of the Lord. It's always an awesome privilege to be in his presence and we're so thankful for the opportunity that we could be here. We've been speaking about <clears throat> the bride's bill of rights and today by the help of the Lord I'd like to speak to you on the right to be a spiritual priesthood, the right to be a spiritual priesthood. The chief privilege of a priest is access to God, access to God. Under the law, the high priest could only come into the presence of God in behind the veil, the holiest of holies, one time a year. And that, without shedding of blood, of course, he would die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says, But into the second went the high priest alone. Second veil, that's what he's referring to. Once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. But when Jesus died, the veil type, which was his human body, was rent in two. And it released a special privilege then. According to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Now we know that the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. God did that, of course. Uh, no other force could have done that, as thick and heavy as it was. But God not only rent the veil of the temple, but God rent the veil of his own temple. For God had veiled in humanity, in Jesus Christ. He was our Savior, our Redeemer, of course. And now he's fixing to enter into a new office. So Paul says, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now since that has happened, then the believer priests, believer priests equally have access as Christ Jesus does into the presence of God, into the holiest of all. Isn't that an honor? Now in the Old Testament, of course, the regular priest could not go in behind the veil. That was only the high priest alone. So many of them would serve their entire life as being priests and they would offer sacrifice and they would offer wave offerings and heave offerings and all the incense and all that they would do. But yet, without being high priest, they could never go into the presence of God, the personal presence of God, and their entire being be so overwhelmed by that presence. That was only reserved for the high priest, and only he could do it once a year. Imagine one time in, in your life that you would be privileged once a year to go into the presence of God and you would have to come out and your brethren standing on the outside. 
and you're trying to describe to them what that felt like. Then you go on the outside of the tabernacle and you've got your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren, all these people on the outside saying, tell us, how was it? What did it feel like? What, what's, what's back there? Why? Because they would never, never be allowed to go there. The regular priest would never be allowed to go in behind that second veil and see that Shekinah glory and see the cherubims as they reached one toward the other with their heads bowed looking toward the mercy seat. So all it could do is just you'd use your imagination and you would smell the fragrance that was on that high priest because it was made by the apothecary and it was so fine and so holy and sacred. Nobody else in the camp could smell like that. It was reserved for the priest alone. So you would come out and you would describe and tell them, well, it, it's like this when you walk in. and It's just like something comes over you and you, you, it, it almost takes your breath and you, you, you don't know if you're going to live or not. And you see that light and the incense is coming up and you're pleading, oh God, be merciful, oh God, be merciful. Oh God, help me, oh God, help me. Because you knew you were plagued with sin. But once you come in and you know that you're accepted in his presence, then you can stand there and fulfill your duty. For now, he has enveloped you and you are enshrouded with this Shekinah glory yourself. And what you have walked into, you have become. You imagine as he would reiterate that story to the millions of Jews that were out there and it's passed down from one generation to another and how they would dream about it. Oh, it would be the dream of a lifetime that you'd one time, just once, be able to go into that presence and not be killed don't you understand? It was not just getting in there. It was getting in there and be privileged to live. For we know that they would tie a rope around them and they would have a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell at the bottom of the high priest's garments. And as long as they heard that noise going on, they knew he was alive and accepted. But if he got killed, and you remember Aaron's sons when they offered strange fire before the Lord, the Lord killed them. Is that right? That's according to your Bible. And they would drag them out with that rope that was tied to their waist. But how, how it must have been so comforting when they would hear the tingling of the bells and a pomegranate, and it would hit the bell, and the bell would hit the pomegranate, and it was all around the border of the garment. And as long as that noise was going on, they knew the priest was accepted, which also meant the offering he was offering for them was also accepted. Well, I don't mind telling you, I'm so grateful today that I don't have to have some man, some pope, some other priest on the earth to go in the presence of God for me, aren't you? I'm so glad that not only do I have an atonement there in his presence, but I also can go into that presence and live. Live. 
not be killed by that which is so holy that I have been accepted in his presence. Oh, don't let it become common to you that you just think, oh, what's the big deal? The big deal is you've been allowed to be in the presence of God this morning already and God never killed you. God never killed me. We ought to be so grateful, friends. Notice Paul goes on to say, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a tear, a true heart, excuse me, in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now remember, our high priest is there in the presence of God this morning in a corporal representation. We are not there before the mercy seat in heaven, but we have a corporal presence that is before the throne of God. This is why that we, being the mercy seat on the earth, can pray and praise and love and sacrifice and it be accepted because we have a corporal representation, a corporal body before the throne of God. Notice again in Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And the church said, Let us, now because of that, this is what we're supposed to do. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Don't you understand? Grace doesn't stop after you get saved. But when you're in the midst of a great trial or a great storm, you need grace in the time of a great need. Maybe there's someone here today and that's where you are. Notice again in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God. Why? For us. For us. The marvel of his love for us. I shared a quote this morning with some brothers that a minister friend of mine had posted on a minister's chat. And it was in 1955, and Brother Branham had been there in that auditorium that night before, and he comes back the following night and says, something happened last night. And I was so moved, he said. And what had happened was God allowed him to see a vision of the Garden of Eden. And he saw Adam 
walk out with his wife. And then he saw the Lord Jesus walk out with you, with his wife. And you see, this is why we're accepted. I hope you understand. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. There's only one way we can be accepted today. That's by our Lord Jesus. I don't care how good you are, how much you pray, how much you preach, how much you speak in tongues. If the blood of Jesus is not speaking for you, you're as lost as lost can be today. So notice that he himself, Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So God then gives us as his people a holy priesthood. So what's it for? If we've got something, what is it for and what are we going to do with it? Now we have a right to a priesthood. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Now he's talking about us approaching the Lord Jesus. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones. Now what a strange parallel that Peter runs in that he gives us a junior image of what he just told us Jesus was. That Jesus, we're approaching unto the living stone and ye as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So not only do the real Holy Ghost filled believers make the temple, and they are the temple of God, but they also serve in the temple. This is why the Bible nor the message does not teach or support Lone Ranger Christianity. That you can be just as good a Christian staying home as you can coming to the house of God. Why? You're part of a priesthood. You're part of a body. You're part of the temple of God. So then we are called to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are holy and acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. So what is, what is our responsibility today as the people of God? So if we would look at it, I wonder what sacrifices. Now we know it's not sacrifices for sin. It's not sacrifices for atonement. But yet Peter identifies whatever these sacrifices are as being spiritual. And what he's doing, he's contrasting them to the carnal sacrifices of the law. Now, if you've read Leviticus and Numbers, it starts a little bit, but mainly Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which comes from the compound Greek word duos, which means two laws or the repeating of the law, then you'll find out all the ritual and the routine that they had to go through. 
So if you'd done a certain sin, you had to bring a certain offering. But if you had just wanted to come and thank the Lord, then you could bring him a thanksgiving offering. And then if whenever a woman had a, had a child, if it was a boy, she'd do one thing. If it was a girl, she'd do something else. And it was a whole list of all these particulars. So you're gonna bring a, a wave offering to the Lord, which would be the shoulder. And you would bring that before God and they would take the tallow or the fat and they would rub all over that. And then you'd have a drink offering and you'd pour that. It goes through all these things. And yet Peter says, our sacrifices are nothing like that. It's not that we're bringing these things to get an atonement for our sins. That's already taken care of. But I wonder how many of the people of God understand that as priests, we are obligated to God daily to bring sacrifices to the house of God. So what are they? What does that mean exactly then that we are to bring sacrifices? What would those sacrifices be? Since it's not an atonement for sin, you agree with that, right? Yom Kippur, of course, the Jews have it. It's called the Day of Atonement. And we know it's the releasing of the goats as we look at it Wednesday night. But here we're talking about spiritual sacrifices. So it's not to release us of a sin, but it's something that we do in memorial. Don't you understand that even when the, uh, when the millennium is set up and the temple is rebuilt, now remember the millennium is the seventh day Sabbath. It's living out the old Garden of Eden promise that was never fulfilled because God's millennium was stopped in the Garden of Eden. God was called out of his millennium with Adam and Eve, and it was basically put on hold. So in the millennium, we will go back and we will live upon the earth for a thousand years, and there will be people here in non-glorified bodies. But Ezekiel 44 through 48 gives us the rebuilding of the temple and it will be in memorial. It will live out all the old anatypes that were stopped in the Garden of Eden. So the sacrifices there, and then you have the northern gate, and you've got the eastern gate, and you've got the gate that only the prince can come in. All of that is just answering to the types. It's the consummation of redemption that God is living with the kingdom of heaven coming down on the earth. And they will worship and we will praise and we will adore and magnify. But now remember in the eighth day, John said, I saw no temple. So in the millennium, we're still in time and we're ending up. But still there, we will still be praising and the sacrifice of this and the sacrifice of that. So if it's ongoing in the millennium, what about this morning here in the house of God? But yet if we're not careful, we get so focused on church and we think the church is about us. It's about me. It's about my needs and my desires and what I want from God. Well, what about God wants from us? What about what God wants from us as his people? Now notice, there's so many things that, that we could look at, but the Lord help us, we'll try to break it down into three or four. But there are acceptable sacrifices by which the Holy Ghost feel can bring into the presence of God and they will be distinct from the legal sacrifices of the Mosaic law. But now notice, Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a chosen generation. And now he goes in and he uses another word to describe this priesthood and he calls it a royal priesthood. Royal, 
Now, that's a very unusual way to describe a priesthood. Because you see, there was none like this in the Old Testament. There was one king that wanted to become a priest, and God smote him with leprosy. God was reserving the royalty for the priesthood to come after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this would seem to be conflicting terms to describe it because royalty is one thing and priest is something else. Now, notice he says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, notice he says that we are a royal priesthood, so we are bearing the dignity of kings, but the servitude of priests. So we are bearing the dignity of kings, but the servitude of priests. He has made us. Now remember, I love this word that Peter uses. Now this is quite some words that this man used. Remember the Bible says that Peter was an ignorant and an unlearned man. He sure got educated pretty quick, didn't it? I want you to notice this word that he uses here, a peculiar people. It's a very curious phrase and it literally means a people for a special reservation. So you have a reserved position in the economy of God and there ain't enough devils out of hell that's gonna knock you out of it. So we are a peculiar people after being identified as a royal priesthood. So in the exercise of the office of a New Testament priest, he is a sacrificer or she, a sacrificer that comes before the presence of God. Now let's look at one of the first things that these believer priests will offer unto God. It is his own living body. Read with me in Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now read closely. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now notice these are believer priests. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. Do you think the Lord would accept the body of every church member that has attended church today? No doubt on the Tri-Cities, a lot of them are probably getting close. Yeah, it's noon. They're getting close to being dismissed right now. They ain't been over about 30 minutes. That's plenty enough church for them. But can you imagine the Lord Jesus accepting the body then? of some of the preachers that probably uh, drunk a little bit of beer or whatever more before they went in. They walk in there to preach and they've got adultery in their heart, they're less connected to the deacon's wife. Or, you know, they play in a rock and roll band. I met one not long ago at a certain place where I was at and it was a pastor of a church, one of the local churches here in Johnson City. And he was playing in a, in a band, a rock and roll band. I thought, wow, that's quite a place for a preacher to be in, isn't it? Playing in a rock and roll band. Well, can you imagine them? They dress like the world, they act like the world, they look like the world, partake of the things of the world, and then they come to present their body to God and say, God, here I am. I am holy, I'm acceptable. I offer myself to you today. 
So do you think God will accept it? Well, let's not leave it there with them. Let's bring it on down to us. You see, when we also partake of the things of the world and do that which is displeasing to the Lord, or you say, well, that's just my flesh. That's just my flesh. It's just them weaknesses I got in my flesh. My soul's all right with God, but it's not just your soul. We have to present our bodies. What kind of sacrifice? Not a dead one. That would be easy. Just cut your throat and just hear God, it's over and it's finished. That's no sacrifice. It's a daily living sacrifice. Well, y'all gonna preach to me, look at me. Now you see, now we're, we're drawing the line between church and bride. Elect and non-elect. Non-elect will never be able to do this. This is not for everyone. This is for the economy of God after the order of Melchizedek. A priesthood which is holy and acceptable. Every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice this morning, if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost sealed into the body of God, you are a priest. Man or woman alike, young people, children, you are priests of God. And you're also kings. So you have a royal dignity which demands a certain air about us. And that you also have a heart of servitude. That's the priestly side. This is quite a balance to make to where that we behave and act and talk like royalty. But our servitude as priest keeps the stuck up attitude out of us. Praise the Lord. Now what's this again in Philippians chapter two, verse 17. Watch how Paul, being a priest, an observer of this understanding, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Watch how he takes his own being and works it into this passage of Scripture that he is being offered as a sacrifice. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. So part of the altar that Paul is being offered on is their faith and their service. Look, this man was what an understanding the man had. But what good would all of that have done if he hadn't preached it to people? What good would it have done if there hadn't been people to preach there? Now, I could come over and preach to these shares. They won't say amen. They won't never move. And they ain't got no eyes to sit there and look at me. It wouldn't be near the same. And it's the same with you. You could come here and sit. And you'd have this nice building to sit here. But if there ain't no preacher to stand up here and preach, what good's it gonna do you to come to the house of God? So watch how Paul incorporates him as if he was the offering merged together with what they brought. Don't you understand what makes any service successful? It's us as a team. By us, I mean him, me, and you, or whoever else is preaching. Us, Brother John, as a team. Notice Paul said, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy 
and rejoice with you all. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am now ready to be offered. So here the word he uses is the word that was used for a libation or a drink offering. Now not for a sin offering, but a drink offering which was brought him to the priest and he would pour out this drink. That's what David done when the man went down and got the water for him. And he poured it out as a drink offering. And Paul said, I'm fixing to be offered my life, my body. But he ain't just talking about his soul. Remember what happened to him. They cut his head off. So Paul was saying, soul, spirit, and body, I'm ready to give it all to God. Again, don't you understand what separates the bride, especially in this Laodicean age? The Laodicean Christians want their body for themselves. They want to give God their black heart. They want to give God that bad, bad conscience. And they want God to save it and sanctify it and get it ready for heaven and take it there, but they want to keep this right here for themselves. So they can do what they want to do and indulge in appetites that they have that they think is okay. Well, it's just my flesh. It runs in my family. But I thought we're born again. I thought we was part of another family. Come on, somebody. But you see, to the real priest believer, they realize their activities in their body, their body also is to be offered as a sacrifice unto God. My body is given us a sacrifice every time I preach. Not only me, but every other preacher. You know, we give and give and give to the Lord. Not just the hour, hour and 10 minutes that I preach, but the hours upon hours that I study until sometimes my eyes will cross and I'll have to set my laptop down and get up and just walk around a little bit as I did last night because my legs was hurting so bad and I had to give up and walk around. You see what I'm doing? It ain't just my spirit. It ain't just my soul. Same with you. When you come to the house of God, well, it's not, the temperature ain't exactly right. Well, you know, I didn't get my favorite seat in the church. Well, why don't you just stay with us and make a sacrifice and say, well, it ain't my favorite seat. Next time I'll have to get here a little bit earlier, I guess. But I'm gonna worship God. I'm gonna praise God. I'm gonna say amen to the word. I'm gonna let the devil in heaven know whose side I'm on. I'm gonna have church today, praise God. I'm gonna give my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. But you can look around all through the church and see people sitting there like that. You know. and they just sit there. They'll squirm and wiggle and look at their watch and trying to figure out how long I'm going to preach. I'll tell you when I'll stop when I get in. Now that's a deep revelation. <laughs> but you see, when we come to the house of God, why is it we think so much about comfort? I mean, here all this time, I've been thinking the sign over that door out there said, Word of Life Church. I must have been reading it wrong. Some of y'all have been reading it, Comfort Inn. <laughs> comfort Inn and sweets. Next thing y'all be wanting is donuts and black coffee. Forget it. I said forget it. Maybe a whooping, maybe a good bruising and a good skinning every now and then. You don't need a donut this morning, Brother John. You don't need a cup of coffee. Come on, church. We don't come here to be babied. We don't come here to be petted like a bunch of low-down, sorry Laodiceans. We come here to hear the truth. 
We come here. If I need correction, correct me, Lord. If I need a whipping, whip me, Lord, so I can present my body, my soul, my spirit as a sacrifice to the living God. Notice in 1 John 3.16, I quoted this to you not long ago, and the world knows John 3.16, but how many knows 1 John 3.16? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. That's John 3.16. But here's after the Holy Ghost strikes the church, and John is able to add a few more words to John 3.16, We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. So 1 John 3.16 is John 3.16 plus the Holy Ghost in a human tabernacle. John 3.16 is a wonderful scripture, but what good does it do you if you don't get the Holy Ghost after you accept God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? John 3, 16 alone will not implant that in the church's heart. It's evident. Many of them believe with all of their heart, John 3, 16, but they cannot manifest 1 John 3, 16 because they didn't go on and receive the Holy Ghost after they believed John 3, 16. Come on now, children. What did Paul say? Have you all received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know what? They had already believed, but they had not got the Holy Ghost yet. I'm afraid that's the problem with many of our message folks. They believe God sent a prophet. They believe in the cross. They believe in heaven. They believe in hell, but they've not been born again by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why we got folks sinning, living like the devil. But I'll tell you one thing. If you ever get the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're going to say goodbye to this old world and you're going to realize you are called to be a priest of God. I don't go to church to be babied. I don't go to church to be patted around. I go to church to worship. I go to church to make a sacrifice. Not only that, but when I leave out of here today, I'm going to continue the same life tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day until Jesus calls me away or the rapture takes place. I want to be a priest of God. Oh, notice one of the second things that as this holy priesthood, royal priesthood that we will offer to God is a sacrifice of praise. Praise. I mentioned to you the other day so much of the time our prayers are so made up with this prayer request and that prayer request and I need and I want and remember this one and remember that one. Y'all nodded your heads and you, you agreed with that was the truth the way we do. But prayer should be more than bringing our list to God, right? Look with me in Hosea chapter 14 verse two. Take with you words and turn to the Lord Say unto them, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Calves, look at the meaning of the word. A young bull, a steer, or a bullock. Now here the prophet Hosea is speaking something that would seem nearly impossible. 
And yet he would take the natural legal sacrifices that they were offering even then and he would compare praise to a bull, which was a great offering in the presence of God and accepted. But Hosea said that there would be a time that we would render the calves of our lips and God would accept it as if there, it were a bullock or a steer in his presence. Notice Jeremiah 33, 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first saith the Lord. Now remember, this is the same prophet that said, there will come a time that I will write my law on their hearts. I will write it upon their hearts. Well, if his word is written on our hearts and changed us, should not it in turn produce praise and sacrifice that we worship him. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I I have a hard time doing it without music. Well, that means you need to do it as a sacrifice. But when I'm not feeling good and I I don't think I got so much to praise him for, I don't care what you got going on today. If you'll sit down and give it a little bit of thought, I guarantee you can come up with a book of the reasons that you've got to praise God for. If he never heals you again, if he never answers another prayer again, you've got enough to praise him for, for saving you for eternity, much less what he's gonna do in your future. Notice in Hebrews 13, 15, by him therefore let us offer. Let us offer the sacrifice of God, sacrifice of praise to God when the bills are all paid and you have all kinds of money and everything is going so good. Oh, I'm sorry, I was reading from the book of action. The book of action That's not what the Bible says, though, is it? How often are we supposed to do it, Harry? Continually, continually, praise the Lord. That is the fruit of our lips, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I find this so amazing because what is fruit? Fruit is the progeny of a reproductive act. So before long, the blossoms will be coming out, the cherries and the apples and the pears and so on. What is that? It's a forerunning of the fruit that we will see later on in the year. And yet it comes from the pollination of the honeybees and all the other things that happen. And the fruit doesn't just come on its own, but it's a product of a progeny, a product of two things that are meeting together. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Donnie? Well, let me just make it simple for you. Upper and lower lip. And when you bring them together, what can you do? Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord for his mercy. 
but it's also the progeny of a changed heart, a changed soul coming up through and reverberating out of beyond circumstance. When it's a real praise, you can praise him in the middle of hell. You can praise him in the middle of disappointment and sadness and trouble. Come on, somebody, because there is a progeny. There is a product of a new birth that's screaming out of your soul and it's longing for these two lips to get together. Now you use them two lips when you're on the phone and you use them two lips whenever you're talking about this and that and the other. Why not use them two lips for the glory of God? I saw a little video the other day on YouTube and it was little, little kids, just little bitty guys, you know, two and three years old. And it was amazing how many of them little kids that were little bitty old things and yet they would have their mama's cell phone, their daddy's cell phone, somebody's cell phone. And then little kids would just walk around. And I saw, where do they get that? They're watching mama. They're watching daddy. They're watching older brother. They're watching older sister. Now here they are. They know what a cell phone is. They may not know what an astronaut is. They may not know what broccoli is. They may not know what chicken and dumplings is, but they know what to do on a cell phone. I wonder if we wouldn't be a whole lot better off to teach our children at home. Children, when we go to church, we want you to worship God. Let me tell you something. I wish all of you could make a trip with me sometime down to Africa. And what you you'd find is our front rows absolutely full of young people and you'd see them little old black young'uns maybe that big or that big, however big they are, I mean a shouting and a worshiping and praising God and maybe some of you white folks look at them and say, oh my goodness I'll tell you one thing, I don't know yeah, and you teach yours how to lie, you teach yours how to use a cell phone, you teach yours how to do this and that and you're teaching yours to sit there with their hands crossed and never even raise them I say shame on you. I say when we come to the house of God, we should make it a worship, a praise, a sacrifice. That's what we're called for. We're not called to come and sit here and warm them nice padded chairs. We're not called to come and sit in this new building that the Lord has given us and sit there like a bunch of bumps on a bunch of pickles. We're here to worship. We're here to pray. We're here to magnify the name of the Lord. We're here to let the devil and all of Johnson City know there is a church in the area that believes he's the same yesterday today and forever he still heals, he still cast out devils, he is a living resurrected Christ and we're going to give him praise Notice the prophet said, we're children now, heirs of the kingdom. All my kings and priests unto God offering spiritual sacrifices. What does a priest do? Make a sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. That's what these sons and daughters do, which are kings and priests, yet not in full possession. But they're making spiritual sacrifices offering to God spiritual sacrifices, the fruits of our lips, giving praise to him, amen. Fruits of our lips. You say, Brother Branham, I just don't feel like praising him. 
That's the time to make the sacrifice. Praise him anyhow. Kings and priests, sons and daughters offering spiritual sacrifice. The fruits of our lips giving praise unto his name. Again, he says, everyone in the New Testament that becomes a Christian born again becomes a priest to God. We are priests and kings. A priest is to make sacrifice. And we give to God the sacrifice of our lips. Give praise to his name. Say, I don't feel like it. Do it anyhow. That's a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Say, I feel too tired. The devil will tell you that till he takes you to hell. Lord have mercy, children. The devil will tell you that till he takes you to hell. Well, you say, you mean, you mean that, that, that could cause me to get in that kind of trouble? Yes, it could cause you to get in trouble. Why? Because he says, I want sacrifice from you whether you feel it or whether you don't. Oh, and I'm waiting on the chills. I'm waiting on the anointing. I'm glad he didn't wait on the anointing to die on the cross because the anointing left him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He made the sacrifice for your sin without any anointing. He didn't feel the anointing all over him running up and down his back. It left him in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he stretched his arms wide open without anointing, without feeling. Oh, hallelujah. And we are called to be his children. You say, I feel too tired. The devil will tell you that till he takes you to hell. Well, just so you know it this morning, that ain't working on me, old boy. You're to make spiritual sacrifice. The fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. Priests and kings unto God. The Bible said we are made us priests and kings. Now from the church age book, made us priests, yes, priests unto him, offering the spiritual praise of sanctified lips, spending our lives as a sweet offering, a sweet offering. Every day when you get up, but Brother Donnie, I just get up and I make my, my babies, I, I fix some eggs and toast and, and my husband is coffee and I, I make the beds and I sweep the floor, but do it all in the name of Jesus. Worship and love him and praise him. You say, but I ain't going out and winning the loss, but every day you living your life by the identified word and you are living that word out as a thought of God. Do what he's called you to do. Well, I want to do more. Well, here's something every one of us can do more. Sacrifice of praise. When you're making them eggs, praise him. At least you've got eggs to make. Well, when you make them pancakes, praise him. At least you got pancakes, hopefully butter and syrup, which always makes them better. You've always got something to praise him for. I wish somebody would hear me this morning. <clears throat> Notice spending our lives as a sweet offering unto him, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, interceding and petitioning priests and kings unto our God. No wonder the world does not appeal to us. We are a peculiar people, zealous unto good works. We have been recreated in him to be children like unto our Father. Yeah. 
Let's look at one more thing that a believer priest will give unto God. Part of his living, his substance. Now, I don't expect amens from this point on for just a few minutes because when we come to money, we know how we all are. <laughs> Romans 12, 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Wow. So you see, many people get in their mind that God is, oh, God's blessed me so much and so much, and then they don't ask, but wonder why he has. It's just so that I can have an abundance of more than everybody else? Or is it that he wants to use you to be able to distribute part of what you have? Notice also in Galatians 6, 10, and we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially. Now, I'm an especially person. I'm gonna do good to all men. I know nobody that I'm gonna treat bad, absolutely nobody, even my enemies. I'm gonna do good to all men, but I am especially gonna do it to the household of God. Why? It's part of my priestly position to minister unto the body. Praise the Lord. So if I know that they don't have a meal, I'm not gonna just pray, dear God, I pray you'd grant my brother and sister a meal today. I may contact them myself and say, can I bring you something? Oh, Brother Donnie, don't, don't tell me I'm going to have to start doing that. No, 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 no. Now, don't, don't get this in your mind. You don't have to do any of this that I'm telling you this morning. Unless, of course, you want to go to heaven. I mean, that's up to your choice, though. You know, it's totally up to you. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'll, I'll still be rewarded for preaching it to you. And I'll be blessed for preaching it. And those that are here, well, you don't have to do any of this if you don't want to. But if you're born of the Spirit of God, you'll want to. You see, this is his word. So the Lord not only wants us to give, but Brother Donnie, nearly everything you're saying this morning is what I've got to give. Duh. You're a priest. You're a priest. You serve. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Philippians 4.18. But I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the thing which things which were sent from you. Now Epaphroditus had brought to our brother Paul a love offering from the saints of God. Now won't you listen how Paul looks at this and how God looked at it. Now he said, I received the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Well, wait a minute, I I thought they brought that to Paul. You know, Brother Branham, after one of the Christmases, the Branham Tabernacle had bought him a suit and Brother Neville a suit. And he said, I, I want to thank you all for the suit that you bought me for Christmas. 
And he said, uh, you know, Brother Neville, and he said, we really appreciate you here, Brother Neville, in the background. Yes, we do. And uh, thank him, thank him, the church for it. And then Brother Bram said, do you know that whenever you did that, you bought Jesus two suits? Wow. So when we give, the Lord accepts it like a sweet-smelling odor. And guess what? That ain't just when we give to preachers. But it's when we give to the saints of God as well as the preachers. Sometimes the laity need it more than the preachers do in the first place. Oh, come on, say amen. Notice again in Hebrews 13, 16. But to do good and to communicate. Now, I know you're thinking WhatsApp, text, email. That's not the word at all that Paul is referring to. It's koinia, which is fellowship, distribution, joint participation, the share which one has in anything. So Paul was telling them that as you communicate, but to do good and communicate, forget not, don't forget to communicate. So not not shake people's hands and talk to them, but when you hear about needs among the body, don't forget to communicate, share what you have with others. How many knew that was a form of communication? None of you have one. Wow. I can see right now we've been communicating the wrong way. You know, they say a lot of problems in the world today is because of lack of communication, right? You husbands and wives ever have a lack of communication and it ends up in a, let's say, a heated type of a day for you? <laughs> you, you? You ever have a lack of communication between you and your children, sometimes parents, and you're wondering why? Well, look right here's a form of communication by which we are able to administer, and when we do it, it's like the Lord Jesus is accepting that himself, and he smells it. That was so lovely. That was such a fragrance of worship. Do you understand what you're doing when you're communicating to the saints? You're worshiping God. <laughs> but this is what we have in our mind. Worship is all it is. No, it's more than that. You're giving adoration to his name, which is his character, which is his word. When you obey his word, you are worshiping him by acts of sacrificial praise. I believe you, Lord. I take you at your word. I'm going to help my brother today. I'm going to help my sister today. I'm going to help build a church over here. I'm going to do this or that or the other, Lord, because I want to take you at your word. I'm a priest. I'm called to sacrifice. First Peter chapter two, again, verse four, to whom coming unto is a living stone, disallowed of men, chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, unholy priesthood. Do you understand that you are partaking of the name of the living stone? 
which preeminently belonged to the Lord Jesus before the day of Pentecost, but shared with his body in the lower sense after we receive his life. Just like he is called the son, we are called a son. He's called the son of God. We are called sons and daughters of God. He is called the lamb of God. We are called lambs of God. He is called the great high priest. We are called priests of God. Don't you see what he's doing? He's sharing his name. His identity was us. He said, I, I don't want them to feel that they are separate from me. I want them to know that I and them come from the same source whereby I am not ashamed to call them brethren. Hallelujah. They are my brothers. I'm called a son of God. I want them called sons of God. I'm called the high priest. I want them to be called priest. I am called the king of kings. I want them to be called kings. I am called the Lamb of God. I want them to be called lambs. As I've told you before, the word Shulamite is a feminist form of Solomon. So you have Mr. Solomon and Mrs. Solomon. Mr. Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You might as well just bite your tongue and get ready. And Miss Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, once we're born into eternal life, we're baptized into that mystical body, which is this great temple that has been built of lively stones from around the world. You see, the church then becomes God's spiritual house where he administers his word, his laws, and his love. A holy priesthood then will have to be called to be able to administer life. And they will sacrifice and praise and worship. Notice Paul in Romans 15, 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine if you was a first century Jew and you would have read this in the book of Romans? You're still struggling trying to even believe the Gentiles can be saved. Much less you read this particular verse right here and you in your mind say, is that man saying those Gentile dogs are accepted? Was it not God in Exodus 19 that said you will be a kingdom of priests unto me? Speaking of Israel. Now Paul is merging them two together into one mystical body and saying the Gentiles are an offering unto God. 
Notice David in Psalm 141, verse two, let my prayer be set forth before thee as the incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Brother John, how could this man even even break into such an understanding? Remember, the law was, was was so important to them and the sacrifices, but somehow he knew that the rob beyond the legal side, there was a spiritual side. Don't you understand? That's what we as message people must also comprehend. Beyond the legal side of do's and don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not, there's also a side that comes from a heart permeated by the Spirit of God. This word is not thou shalt and thou shalt not. It's a living, resurrected person inside of us. I wonder if every one of us, if you get nothing else out of this service today but this one verse, if every one of us from this day forward, Psalm 141, 2, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. So it would have this sweet aroma about it. Now, you know from the apothecary, the incense was made with certain things. So the anointing all was five different elements that come together to make the fivefold of the precious anointing oil to produce a certain aroma. Having been in India, having been in South Africa and going to the large markets there and walking through some of the markets in, in Jerusalem and able to see some of the sandalwood and some of the large vats of oils and stuff that they have and the aroma that you smell. It's, take my word for it, it's very, very hard to describe. Having been in Durban, and, and in Durban they have a large population of the East Indian. I mean, you walk in and they got 55 gallon drums of curry, red, orange, yellow, all different flavors. And then you go to another part of the market and there will be the sandalwood and the balsam and the fir and all these different aromatics and you walk into it and it's just, oh my, I'm a smell person anyway. You just walk into that and you think, God, so a person's prayer can have request, it can have praise, It can have petitions. It can have adoration. You see what you're doing? You're mixing together your incense and God don't want us to stop bringing our request, but he just wants the flavor of it to be exactly right. Where that when we get done with our request, we're done. We stop. We give no praise. We give no thanksgiving. Add a little bit of balsam to your request. The prophet even told us when you come before the Lord that you should start out with praise. Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you, Father, for that. What are you doing? You're mixing together your spiritual aromatics and you're bringing together praise and adoration and love. You tell me and you if it's not exactly the truth. It's so hard to feel sorry for yourself when you should be spending time praising God. But you watch your own life and you take notice of your 
your own life where you are. And the least amount of time you praise, you'll feel so sorry for yourself and so sorry for what you're going through. Poor little me, poor little this, poor little that. It's hard to do that if you've got an overwhelming sense of the aroma of praise. Hallelujah. Mix into your prayer because it does something to you. Oh, hallelujah. Let me read this again in Romans 12 and we'll close. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. From one of the early fathers, church fathers, Chrysostom, he said, how is the body to become a sacrifice? Let thine eye look upon no evil thing and it has become a sacrifice. Let thy tongue speak nothing wrong and it has become an offering. Let thy hand do no lawless deed and it has become a whole burnt offering. But this is not enough. We must do good works also. Let thy hand do alms Thy mouth bless them that despitefully use you and thine ear find leisure forevermore hearing the scripture. So you see, Satan and God both wants to take the same things. So Satan will get your eyes to looking at something you shouldn't look at, whether it's on your phone or on the internet or whatever more. So you refuse your eyes to do that. You have made a sacrifice unto the Lord. So instead of that, well, praise God, praise God, I've done good. No, 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 you only done half of the battle sick. What God wants you to do, Satan offered you something, brothers, you should not have looked at, we'll say. Oh, praise God, I, I turned it down, thank God. But then don't just stop. You sacrificed in robbing the devil. Now give the Lord a sacrifice and pulling up the Bible app on your phone or a message app and reading that in its place. Now what you've done, instead of falling and making a mistake and falling short of the glory of God, you robbed the devil of a sacrifice, praise the Lord, and you turn right around and said, aha devil, how you like this? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but hath his delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate. No, it ain't in my hand, it's in my heart. In his law does he meditate both day and night. He shall not fall. Oh, hallelujah. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He shall bring forth fruit in his season. What do you do? You rob the devil and you turn right around and worship God. You worship God with your eyes. You worship God with your ears. You turn down a lie of gossip and you turn on a gospel song or listen to a godly man preach. You're offering a sacrifice. Praise the Lord. You see, the ideas contained in the sacrifice of our body. Satan wants to pull them. We stop it 
and turn right around and use the same thing that he tried to use. He tried to use my eyes to look at something I shouldn't look at. He tried to use my tongue to say something against my brother. So instead of doing that, I think I'm just going to praise the Lord for a while. And I, I think instead of talking against that brother, I believe I'm gonna pray a prayer for him right now. Lord God, I pray you'd help my brother. Lord, maybe he's going through a terrible time. You say, what you've done? You've sacrificed. Praise God. Don't you love him? How many wants your body to be presented to God? A living sacrifice. Holy. Children, do you understand what a miracle this is? Our bodies, which are unregenerate, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Let me read you another scripture too, if you don't mind. Psalms 119.08, except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth. O Lord, and teach me Thy judgments. We say, does it do any good, Brother Donnie? Skip the verse, the verse in Hosea there, brothers. Let's go down to the next quote in Mary's belief. When Jesus told them to wait in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, that word fell on their ears. They was in the temple continually praising God day and night. What was they doing? Watering that promise. And all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The word was being watered and it took life and started growing. You understand what your praise does? It waters the seed. Look at the same message, paragraph 21. You wanting revival? Start watering the word. The promise. He said, that makes me feel religious myself. <laughs> if you want to come out of the wheelchair, start watering the word. If you want to come from that cancer, start watering the word. Water that word. Whatever your need is today, water that word with what? Praise. Praise. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Progeny. Upper lip. Lower lip. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my deliverance. Some of y'all still dealing with post-COVID this and that and the other. Give God praise. Water his seed for healing you. You're dealing with sadness, depression, whatever more. Give him praise. I'm the Lord God that healeth thee of all thy diseases. Water it. Let's bow it together. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray that these words will sink down into our souls, Father. And that we will contemplate them and meditate on them. Lord, I'm not here to discourage your people. I'm not here to bring the standards so high that it's not attainable. But to encourage them and to 
urge them along in the presence of God. Lord Jesus, I believe you're wanting more out of us. You're wanting us to love you and serve you like we've never done before. Heavenly Father, may you move on every man, woman, boy, and girl in this visible audience today and those that will hear this service by whatever means it will be. We want to say we're sorry, Lord. We're sorry that we haven't praised you like we could have and should have. We're sorry that we've yielded our instruments to the devil. Lord, by your help, we want to when Satan comes to attack the channel of the inlet of our ears or our eyes or our touch or our taste, whatever it is, that we will stop that and we will turn right around and turn that into an opportunity of sacrifice to you. So instead of taking our eyes and looking at something that's not right, and Lord, it doesn't always mean that it's sinful. It's just wasting our time reading this and that and the other. And the social media thing, Lord, I saw just the other day when one of our states, the first one in the union, are going to pass laws that are going to make it illegal for children under 16 years old to even have access because they're seeing the mental damage. Psychiatrists, psychologists, all kinds of these people are saying the images, especially with girls. They're saying it's one of the leading things that's affecting suicide in girls because they see these images on social media of what a perfect body is and a perfect image is of this and that and the other. And it makes them where they don't want to live no more. Oh God, I pray you would help us to realize our phones, social media, a lot of these things out here It come from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it has the potential of being both. Or if we have the Holy Ghost inside of us, we can use that and make it as a means that is controlled by the inner life in our soul. Oh, Jesus, we love you today, Father. I wonder how many... I shouldn't even say how many. I should say all of us. We want to be better priests before God. We want to offer more sacrifices, better sacrifices. Sacrifices mixed with sincerity, purged conscience, and purity of heart. Praise God. We don't give to the poor just so we can say, well, I've done it now. But we can realize when we buy someone in the church a meal, or we would help buy somebody a change of clothes that don't have it, or we'll help put a roof on a church in Africa, or a floor in another one, we just put a roof on a church for Jesus. We put a floor in a church for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you do me a favor today of laying your hand on that person standing by you? If it's your spouse, you can take them by the hand if you wish, however you wish to do that. 
Remember, God did not make any of us that we are to be alone, that we're to survive in this walk without friends and brothers and sisters to help us. It's the devil that tries to tell you that. We need one another. Not only do we need you, but you need us. You listen to tapes, thank God you should. You read your Bible, you should. You can listen to them every day of your life. But if you don't have a gift of God in you, you'll never get out of that word what a God-called man will. And then even at that, we need diversity of ministries because God never put one gift that would understand it all. He diversified it. So we need other ministers as well. Oh, word of life, church. May God help us. God, help us. Let's just pray for one another, shall we? Heavenly Father is the shepherd, the pastor. I bring before you these sheep here today. Any visitors that are in our courts, Lord, we bring them as well. We first of all confess our shortcomings And we say that we are frail. We have so many mistakes about us. But we know that's why that there is a a corporal body there in your presence before the altar. The only way my prayer will even be accepted today is because the atonement has been made. And that corporal body still stands there to represent my innocence. Lord Jesus, help us as your people. Lord, we know the devil loves division and separation. He loves divide churches and homes and marriages. He loves to divide us in the message. We've been through one division after another down through the years, and we can see Satan's trying a different one now than he's used in quite some time. It's dividing churches and dividing preachers even, brothers. It's been friends for years. Lord God, we pray you would help us, Father. That as priests, we can bring our sacrifices. We don't want to just bring the sacrifice of our lips, the progeny, the mixing of a new birth, divine, human lips, humanity, mixed with divinity to be able to produce praise. We want to give you our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet. We want to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, Jesus, we worship you today. Help our Sunday school teachers, our deacons, the trustees, our youth leaders, Lord. Lord, those brothers that service after service set up in the booths upstairs and in the other room there, Lord, and they give up their time setting by their families to be able to stream and to troubleshoot and all of that. I pray you'd be mindful of them this morning, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, help us today. Every member, Lord, from the least to the greatest, whoever they are. May we walk out of here today, Father, with a new vision, a new understanding that we are a body of priests. I am not the priesthood. Neither are the ministers of this church the priesthood. 
both ministry and laity are the priesthood. We are called to intercede. We are called to praise. We are called to sacrifice. We are called to worship. Hallelujah. We raise our hands in your presence, O Lord God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Can we just lift our hands together now, saints? Praise the Lord. Now let's, let's not ask him our petitions and our, our requests and things like that, but let's just, let's just love him. Can we? Let's just give the sacrifice of praise. Let's just let him know how much, how much we love him. Praise the Lord. Each one of you now, nobody can say it like you can. Just let him know how you feel and all that he's done for you and how good he's been to you. Praise the Lord. Hope you don't mind this morning. I'd like to sing that song again. Tell me his name again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now as priests, let's worship him together. I saw a YouTube video the other day. It's actually of the Levitical choir. And they're singing at a wedding. The Levitical choir, Jews, all Jews. And they are singing as the bride comes down and the groom is already standing there. The harmony is just, it's just absolutely amazing. And as I've listened to it over and over again, it just so ministered to my heart. And I thought, you know, that guy, he's the lead singer, that guy, that guy. And a beautiful voice by himself. But put him together with all the rest of those to make up that Levitical choir and how it sounds. Same with you today. Your prayer, your praise, your sacrifice, it's awesome to God. But what could it be right now in the next few moments with hundreds and hundreds of us if we can lift our voices and our praise? Some may have your nouns and your pronouns in correct order. Some of us may sound like me, like an old Kentucky hillbilly, and it may not be near as prim and proper as yours, but I guarantee he understands my hits and haints just like he does your fancy, fancy words that you say. Oh, let's just worship him together, shall we? They told me of love's sweet old story. They told of a wonderful day. Thank you, Lord. It thrilled all my soul with its glory. It burned in my heart like a flame. With all your heart now. They told me of one. They say he so loved me. That in heaven he could not remain. Praise the Lord. He came down 
to seek and to save me. Oh, tell me his name again. Everybody now. Oh, tell me his name again. Sing it now, priest. Sing it together. Oh, sing me that sweet refrain. Praise the Lord of Him who in love came down. That cruel cross of shame. The story in my heart. Thank you, Lord. It still does, Jesus. Oh, it's the sweetest that I've ever heard. It vanishes. Call him the sweet rose of Sharon. Now listen, they call him the lily so fair. Thank you, Jesus. And they call him that blessed, that great rock of ages. Praise God, they call him the bright morn. Thank you, Jesus. He's a prophet, a priest, and our redeemer. Oh, glory to God, the king of all kings, he shall reign. coming in power and great glory. Somebody tell me his name again. Everybody now, thank you Lord Jesus. Oh, tell me. Oh, sing it, priests of God. Worshiping children with all your hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing me that sweet refrain. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord God. And love came down from above to die on that cross of The story in my heart. 
Hallelujah. 
my heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, it's the sweetest that I've ever heard. Hallelujah, 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 Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 They call him the sweet rose of Sharon. They call him the lily. So fair. Praise God. They call him that great rock of ages. Glory to God. They call him the bright morning star. Come on, priest. He's a prophet. A priest, our Redeemer. Glory to God. Glory! The King of all kings. He now reigns in my heart and your heart. Oh, He's coming in power. Somebody will tell me his name again. Everybody with all your heart. Oh, tell me his name again. His name is Jesus. And sing me that sweet refrain. Oh, Lord God, we worship you, Adonai. We bless your name. We worship you, Holy God. We can lift up hands, oh God, holy hands this morning and offer a sacrifice of praise. Cross the shame. The story in my heart has Praise God, it's the sweetest. I don't know about you, but it's the sweetest story I ever heard. Ever heard. It banishes fear. And it brings hope and cheer. Oh, tell me his name again. Sing that last two lines. Oh, it banishes fear and it brings hope and cheer. Oh, tell me his name. Uh, 
the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus, praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. We don't worship you as Laodiceans. We don't worship you as sinners clothed in filthy rags. As Joshua the high priest stood there that day and he looked at himself and he had those filthy garments on him. But an angel from the presence of the Lord came and clothed him and changed his garments and gave him garments fit to minister in. Today, Father, we stand clothed. We had garments of heaviness, but now we have a garment of praise. We were clothed with filthiness and uncleanness. We've done every vile thing that could be imagined by a human we stand here today washed, cleansed, and been made kings and priests unto our God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What's on your heart, eh? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I bless you, Lord God. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord God. Looked all around, couldn't find nobody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was down in my deepest valley. That's right. Looked all around there, still couldn't find no one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Searched all over. Glory to God. Couldn't find nobody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Looked high and low. I don't care where you search. You'll never still find couldn't find nobody. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Cause there's nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. There's nobody greater. Nobody greater. Mountain, 
Looked all around, couldn't find nobody Highway down the deepest valley Looked all around there, still couldn't find nobody There's nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. There's nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. I told you here Thursday night, and some of you probably heard it maybe, but Brother Ron Spencer, he, he had been told that they was afraid he had cancer in his eyes. And last Tuesday when he went to the doctor, before he went to the visit, the main doctors, they told him, probably gonna have to get treatment in one eye and possibly have the other eyeball removed. And this morning he sent me some scans of his eyes with all that stuff that showed up in his eyes. And then he sent me another picture, and that was from Brother Tim and I was up there a few weeks ago, and he said, here was when it was there, and we laid our hands on him there at the end of the service and praying for him, and he said, here is when God was taking it away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So when he went inside to see the main doctor, the doctor said, there's been a misunderstanding. You don't have cancer in your eyes. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, how great you are. We love you so much. Don't you love him, children? Oh, I appreciate him so much. Brother Josh Bennett was in Indiana here a little bit ago at a restaurant talking with some people about the message. And a man comes over to him, were y'all talking about William Branham? He said, yes. He said, let me tell you about a story. Oh, he tells him, goes ahead and tells about the story of a man that had a son that had polio, couldn't walk. Brother Branham knew the man, and Brother Branham actually mentions their name, the family. So he said, can I go up and pray for him? He said, sure, Brother Branham, go on up. So he went up and stayed a while, come back down, told the wife, send another plate at the table tonight for supper. So he said, okay. Of course, they thought it was going to be Brother Branham. Supper time came. They waited and waited and waited. Brother Branham never did show up. So the father bowed his head at the table and prayed over the food. Whenever they prayed, that boy which had polio upstairs walked down the steps, sat down at the table, and ate supper with his mom and dad. That's what I'm talking about, friends. That's our Jesus. That man that told Brother Josh Bennett that story said, I know this story is true because I am the son of that young man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But let me give you a sad side to that story. That man doesn't even serve the Lord, doesn't even follow the message of the hour. So having a miracle done to you is wonderful. But being able to follow the Lord after the miracles are done, that's even greater. Look how blessed you are today to follow this word. And what good will that miracle do if those people don't follow the Lord Jesus? We are blessed, are we not? Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you for another wonderful day in your presence. Unlike the priest of the Old Testament that could only offer blood and incense and wave offerings, we were invited by you today to come into the inner sanctum of your holy presence. We've sensed you walk up and down the aisles of this building. Not only that, but we've sensed you in our souls. We thank you, Lord God. May we think about these things and ponder over them and ruminate as sheep do. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back Wednesday night if it be pleasing to you. How we long, Lord God, to be gathered up to your house where there'll be no more preaching, no more prayer lines, no more sick, but praise, adoration, love, life will go as it's supposed to have been in the beginning. We'll live, enjoy our crops, our families, our God, our King. 
and we will praise and worship and adore through the ceaseless ages. May there not be a one of us that's present here today be missing it that day. We commit the service to you now, Father, the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn and shake hands with somebody if you wouldn't tell them. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you. Praise Him.